Hey everyone, welcome to the 31st episode of the Journey Podcast. I'm your host, Mershur, and I apologize for the delay in episodes over the past month. I've just been dealing with a lot of things. I'm trying to move around certain aspects of this podcast to see how I can make it better and how I can make it a better experience for everyone involved. So in this episode, I had the chance to sit down with my buddy Costi, and we had a wonderful conversation about a wide range of topics. Costi is a co-host of another podcast called The Football Masterminds, and I would highly recommend that you guys check it out if you guys are into soccer. I've listened to quite a few of their episodes, and as a person who's not super involved in it, in, in the sport, I still enjoy getting their takes and stuff like that, so I highly recommend you check it out. It's available wherever you find your podcast, and I'll definitely link it in this show as well. So... Costi and I ended up talking about a wide range of topics that I thought were super interesting, and I had a blast having this conversation actually i learned a lot from it i went back and i listened to it and i think you guys can also get a lot of value from this episode so some of the to- just some of the topics that we talked about uh we talked about how costi started the podcast we talked about how negative habits can accrue over time over the pandemic i actually have a separate episode on that if you want to check that out uh probably sunday shorts number f- five or four or five and um we talked about how falling in love with the process is more important than the outcome and how becoming process-oriented can serve us in the long term, among many other topics. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. I had a blast doing it. And once again, I apologize for the delay in production. I think moving forward, I will try my hardest to stick to the one episode per week. It's just I've been dealing with a lot of other things in life and I wanted to take a little break from the show so I can come back fresh and bring back that productive energy and good vibes all, all over. Um, if you've been supporting the show from the beginning, I want to thank you. We just hit one year and that that's a huge milestone for me because a year ago I just started this as a side project and I mean it's still a side project but it's I've get, I'm getting better and better at the production aspect of it. I think maybe marketing of it can be a little bit better. I also have some good news uh, surrounding the podcast. I just got partnership with Amazon for affiliate links. So in future episodes, for example, in Sunday Shorts episodes, if you guys want to support the show, you know, um, I will have links to all the products that I'm using for the show and all the products that I'm using, you know, regarding uh, specific episodes. So thank you for coming along uh, this entire crazy journey that's been that's been taking place. I hope to have better and better episodes for you guys. I'm enjoying the process of of doing the show, and I think over time it's all it has only gotten better. Um, currently, the show has reached every continent, over 27, 28 countries, something crazy like that. And it just goes to show that if you want something to happen, you just have to be resilient. And over time, things just work out. So without any further delay, please enjoy this conversation. Hey, Kosti. Thank you for coming on the show. Hey, Mashur. Thanks uh, for having me, man. We've been trying to get this show going for, I for a, while, a week yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just back and forth, back and forth. My bad, dude. Shit just keeps coming up and then like just like getting things in order and then rescheduling and then getting things in order and then some other things come, uh, yeah. things may come up and then, you know, so it's been No, difficult. my bad too. I think I had to cancel once just because honestly I had some work and then, you know, dude, you got to be like in the mindset to actually talk for an hour. Otherwise you're... I feel okay so this is like just getting into it but I do um 
I've tried to bring on some guests on my show as well. And it's just some people, you know, are not meant for podcasting. I guess some people are, mm-hmm. you know, are not meant, f- like they're not meant to be on a show. They're not meant, like, I'm sorry, but it's not for everyone. And you right, just start right. losing it. You just start losing interest in that specific thing. Dude, there's nothing um, worse than like a dry conversation. Like, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, if it's not fun, like, I'm not about it. And, uh, that's why like the one time I had to cancel was I wasn't like, you know, feeling it totally. And I feel like if I got to talk for an hour and a half, my mind's got to be there. I got to be thinking about what you're saying, actively listening. And um, that's what I feel like that gets like misplaced sometimes where just people just don't get how much like it, it, it takes effort to just talk for an hour and a half. No, dude, absolutely. Like, I think also uh, talking over Zoom and not in real life, it's like people can get distracted. And since it's asynchronous communications, oftentimes, like if the momentum of the conversation is struck or something like that, then it ends up becoming like this whole thing where one person is contributing more to the conversation. And it do- it, it definitely hampers the experience a little bit. Mm-hmm. Especially like if I have a designated recording day for my thing. And I think that is also weird sometimes where it's like, I know I've got to do this on Sunday. So sometimes it can be like, damn, like sometimes I'm really excited, but you know, they, the odd time, like, dude, I get a uh, Sunday. I don't, I don't want to do this on a Sunday. I just want to watch like a t- dumb TV show and go to bed. You know, like that's what yeah. I want to do. Well, like let everyone know about your podcast. How'd you get into it? Like, what's it called? What's it about? Oh, nice. Okay. Uh, so um, it's called Football Masterminds. It's uh, on Spotify, Apple Music. It's got a website um, that I can send it to you, Mashur. Um, I'll link and- it in the description for this episode so people can directly go right. into the, the feed. Perfect. Um, yeah. So um, what happened was I, I was always thinking about starting some sort of content for football. But before that happened at work, they wanted some new marketing place. And I was thinking about like, things that we can do it was during the pandemic beginning of the pandemic you know like what can we do what can we do good and i started this show at work about ai and you know it was it was really fun it was really fun to do people that do it with are super cool they're super chill we talk about like the most recent technologies i learned so much because ai is just like so like that's like an is, ongoing project like this or is it this is, just yeah. like a side thing that you're doing with your friends like is this uh, your podcast oh so this I, i'm just getting to how like this football thing actually started this was okay, okay. so like the ai thing started and then like a, a month or two ago so this, this AI thing is has been going on for a while and a month or two ago i was like i really want a podcast when i since the beginning i really want to content create about football just because or soccer as it were um just because I, I consume so much of that media, I consume so much content. I watch almost every game. I keep up with news. Half my news feed is about it. And I'm always venting to myself and my roommates to have, have no idea about it. And they're just sitting there like, dude, what are, you, what are you talking about? Like, shut up, man. So, and my buddy, so my buddy came along and he, he did, he has a website that has about like 1500 unique viewers every, on every article he writes about uh, this. And he's been doing it for five years. And I was like, dude, do you want to add another stream of content? Mm-hmm. And he was like, yeah, you know, that'd be great. And um, that's how we got started. And we do like a mix of things. This guy is really into the analysis. He's been, he went to sports management in university. Like he coaches, he plays, he played varsity. Um, so he like is really like the analysis guy and like we're the fans that come on and um, co-host it with him so yeah that's what it's about okay so like I know one of the co-hosts is Russell and what's the other dude's name uh Reese Reese okay okay 
Yeah, no, dude, I've listened to a couple of your episodes and I really like the vibe. I think obviously like that's really smart of you to think about that in terms of kind of like diverging traffic from like one one website to the to the content of your podcast because like you said you, your friend was getting what you said about 1500 views per blog post or whatever so i kind of did a similar thing where i've been writing this blog post about mental health and like these other ideas that i actually mm-hmm. uh talk about on this podcast and that was the inception or the conception of like the podcast was from that uh blog that i've been writing and i just wanted to take those ideas and bring those ideas and put them into like an audio format and initially, my idea was just to like literally just read off the blog post that I've written and then do like two to 10 minute like clips, which is what I've mm-hmm. incorporated now into my second episode every every week, like a Sunday shorts. That's what I do. But I, that was going to be my entire show. But then mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? Like I was talking to this other guy, uh, the first guest that I had on Zach, and he was like, we're talking about this podcast idea. And he was like, hey, why don't you like have a guest on? And then that way you can bounce off ideas and then maybe something that you think may be wrong and then you know like if you are not able to get feedback how would you know so i wanted to mention one of the things that i learned through the pandemic was that you can get really bogged down in your daily life and not even see you have been bogged down because you have so many distractions on the weekend or on uh, so you don't really understand what's going on and the pandemic is really good for that because you can really focus on what do you do on a day-to-day basis which consumes most of your life and not stuff that happens um you know just on the side and that's mm-hmm. something that i i learned was super interesting and you wrote about this um how something the article was called how inconsistencies accrue over time and i just looked that up because i that was one of the articles that i talked to mo and my roommate and um max about as well thank um, you man how, I, I appreciate that <laughs> i thought i thought because I think uh, I, I've thought about that in general, how inconsistencies accrue over time, because I, I read a book uh, about habits. And I, once I read that book, I started thinking about, man, how how easy and hard at the same time it is to accrue a good and bad habit. Um, good habits are really hard to accrue. Bad habits are really easy to accrue. And the pandemic, like you said, that article was was superb because it it really just showed how since the beginning of the pandemic, if you weren't on point or if you didn't try and be on point, you would go into a slump really easily. 100%, man. Like, especially in terms of uncertainty. Well, first of all, I want to thank you guys for reading it. I really appreciate that. It's been, you know, I I write because it's a way for me to like journal myself. And if I, if other people can... And other people do relate to it, then I feel good about it as well because then it's providing some form of Very value. To them. But yeah, man, if your foundation is not strong, mm-hmm. whenever there's like strong winds, you're gonna collapse. Like that's just the truth of life. life. So yeah. whenever like your keystone habits or like the, the foundational habits that you have are taken away, you will see that over uh, a period of time, like your entire existence will be like reduced in, in mm-hmm. the sense of who you are before that disaster wouldn't be the same person that you were after the the disaster based on just the fact that you don't have any legs to stand on. Right. So there's like different avenues and different, like, what would you call it? Like roots that people have in their life that they, they want to keep stable. Right. So there's like relationships, there's like physical health, there's like mental health, there's like your career path, you know, there's like, uh, you know, social life, all these things matter. And like the pandemic, in my opinion, in my experience, kind of stripped away 80% of those things. And once 80% of those things were taken away from me, I then I was like kind of lost. I was like, okay, what do I do now? 
I can't go to the gym. I am done school. So I, I don't have like a school social circle thing. So give me a recount of when you realized that maybe during the pandemic, either you accrued bad habits or you accrued good habits. Like what was something that triggered this? Um, well, I looked in the mirror one day I woke up and I was like, damn, and <laughs> not in a good way in the sense that right. this ain't <laughs> right, this looking good. Like I haven't <laughs> been, this is like, like I've never been 190 before and I'm like a short guy. Right. So mm-hmm. even if I have like solid muscle foundation, like I have a lot of extra like fat right now. So mm-hmm. when I hit that 190 mark on my scale, I was like, Oh my God, I've never been this heavy. The heaviest I've been earlier on has been like 183. And then that was five years ago. So I was like, I usually like hover around like 150, 160, maybe like okay. 170 if I'm like bulking. Okay. Never like this high. So then I was like, okay, so that that doesn't happen over over a week. That happens over no. a, a long period of time. And I haven't been to the gym in a year at this point. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, it's because I like, you know, I haven't. And then people may make the argument like go run outside, you know, do pushups and pull-ups and whatnot. I hate but, those people. <laughs> I absolutely but, hate those people. But it's just like, I, okay, maybe, but like that gym wasn't just about working out. It was about also about the social aspect of it. Also about like the accountability, the equipment, you know, and then just like the whole feeling of being there, having a purpose to be there right now, your home life, your work life, your gym life, everything is completed together. Yeah. And just both of us are super social people. You know, we were in university, very social, always hanging out, people always doing things. Uh, even studying i remember like i would always run into you in a library like people study yeah, yeah. we would never study at home yeah. like that's another tell of it right um my office um most people work from home even before covid but i would still go in i would still go in if there were like 10 people there it that wouldn't matter but it would just be that that habit of waking up getting ready you know going to, to the office having designated space uh, of productivity like that having people like even small number of people but people around me that are doing the same thing uh, i feel like that was that was very integral even and mm-hmm. i didn't i think everything that changes in your life you have a very boosting sort of energy when it when it does happen right because change creates um, it's a lot of deep, momentum you feel like a lot of that yeah energy possibility of new outcomes and that's exciting yeah, yeah for sure. so nobody i felt understood that in the beginning and everybody was like trying to get a standing desk and was like really excited about getting office chairs home was super excited about that sort of stuff mm-hmm. um four months down the line it started hitting people about how you know this is really hard because you wake up and you sit on a desk and then you go back to your room and then you sit on a desk and it happens slowly, I think. That, I feel that like graduate. sometimes I feel like I'm a character in The Sims like video game, you know, like it, just... <laughs> somebody's controlling you. <laughs> yeah, it, it, things are are not feeling real anymore, and and I don't mean that in like a, you know a stoner existential. Way or like or, yeah. I just mean that in the sense that we're spending so much time behind these screens, like these rectangles of like your phone. My screen time has gone up like by five hours on average per day. Yeah, you yeah. know the my computer, TV, whatever, whatever you want to call it. And because of that, I feel so distant from humanity. I feel like I haven't had a quote unquote normal day mm-hmm. in so long that the, the smallest things in life, like going to a coffee shop and sitting down drinking coffee or like playing, you know, going on walks with friends and stuff like that is like what I, or like just shooting the shit, you know, like even yeah. that had so much value in it. 
And then we just didn't know, like, we're going to be doing, like, you know, Zoom call after Zoom call after Zoom call <laughs> the entire day and then getting fatigued from that, you know? So it definitely, like, for social people that, and I've talked to introverted people, I've talked to, I've talked to extroverted people, but everyone is in the consensus that even for introverted people, they want the choice to be able to, like, go out and, and talk to people. Now they're kind of, for, everyone's kind of forced to stay inside, right? So you're, you're, that choice is stripped away from you. So because of that, like, I think obviously extroverted people have been impacted more in terms of like, I'm always low energy now. And I was like wondering, like my, my workspace is in my room. So like my desk is in my room. So I'm studying here. I'm studying, uh, you know, different things. And like, I need to pay a lot of attention to what I'm studying, right? For a long period of time. But the issue was like, I have my bed in my same room. There's six other people sharing the house with me, like my, my family members, and they need their own spaces. They're everyone's working from home. So we cannot separate like work life and like home life. And because of this, sometimes if you're stressed out at work because of whatever, you know, uh, problems that may have come up during your workday, you don't have that space to differentiate mm -hmm. between work and home. So you're always in that mood, unless you're actively able to regulate that through meditation or whatever other means, you know? That's the one thing I'll say that I found, um, easier in the sense that I was able to designate a space that wasn't in my room as a workspace. And even though I live in a downtown Toronto apartment, which is like four feet by four feet, right? <laughs> yeah. It still helps. I know that I don't work on the couch. So if I like leave that space, like it's done in my head, it's not bothering me anymore. But I totally feel you in the sense that like when you have all your workspace, even working out, like you're probably doing in the same basement, if you, if you are doing that, yeah. right? your bed is right there. It's like super hard to, and there's no excitement, right? The excitement part of it has been taken out. Studying was, at least for me in university, was exciting because it was this whole thing, okay, dude, I'm going to wake up. I'm going to like get ready. I'm going to go yeah, to the library. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll have like five, 10 minutes breaks um, where we met. I mean, You'll we go to like Tim Hortons. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Get a five cup of coffee. Like, whatever, yeah. yeah. And then you're back onto it. And that was fun. Same at work. When you go to work, you have coffee breaks, you talk to like, you know, the front desk people, you talk to like um, somebody who's working on something challenging, you shoot the shit with them for like five minutes and then you're back at it. And that's just stripped away. And I love my roommates, but um, <laughs> I see them a lot. You know, I see them a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. <laughs> no, it is, it is difficult. And, and for some people in the sense of like, uh, they do not know how to exist within an environment like this, right? So like some people have grown up around other people, so they're okay with it. But for other people, like I, I do not know how, like both my younger siblings are doing school from home. Like oh, that's school, awful. And it, it's tough. It's so tough because play is such an important part of like life, right? As a kid. Recently, I took my brother out to like, we we're like flying kites in a, in yeah. a park near our house. Yeah, it was a beautiful day. And then there's some kids that were his age and he was like so anxious about talking to them because he haven't talked to other kids his age in, in a while. And I thought about that. I was like, man, like the other, like the psychological impact that this is having is like, like I feel bad for them because I don't know how, how long it's going to take to recover. Maybe it'll be instant. I don't know. Uh, yeah. I'm not an expert at that, but like at the end of the day, that part of humanity, like you were saying, like my, my music stuff, like my studio equipment is here in my room where I sleep. My uh, gym is literally I open my door and then I have like an Amazon power rack that has like a solar <laughs> bar and like a yeah. hips and stuff like that and parallel bars. And that then like I have some weights out there. So that's this is like my gym, my studio, my like like my room where I sleep, my podcasting area, my studying area. So everything's in one. And I know it sounds like, wow, that's great. Like you have so many things in, in one area. And I am very yeah. grateful that I have the ability to like have these hobbies. And I know you play music too, so which is which is great. 
and you know how uh, much of a reliever that is <laughs> i'm gonna shout out my roommate more for that because he got me into guitar and that was super the most cool. brilliant that guitar man i've heard yeah. him play before um, you know he's a he's a great guy like he I, he got you into it he got rohit into it like he's a uh, he's been in yeah <laughs> that he's been impacting people man um i've noticed too man uh, so i the way i play guitar i when i started um during quarantine because i had nothing to do and this was cool and this was interesting oh you just uh, started in during quarantine? i just yeah so i like i've been wow dude like you're pretty good then because you're putting up covers and shit on uh, on your instagram oh thanks man i uh, respect yeah that's just you know like uh it's nice to know where you stand and if people like the like like your journey where you're going because if you're well, like really far behind you might difficult well to like put it out there because a lot of the art, artist types and like i'm obviously over generalizing right now putting everyone <laughs> on the same blanket but i find that when you're when you're high on openness and like you're very creative you end up being afraid to put out your work there because you're scared of that criticism and the vulnerability is is difficult for a lot of people for me i don't for a lot of people yeah i don't really care i put out exactly. covers like every week whatever <laughs> sometimes like they're not that good but i'm like whatever <laughs> my my what goal is. is like it's like process oriented i i want to like enjoy it and if i'm enjoying it if i'm having fun then like it's fine man, even like when you reached out about the podcast like that was a big moment you know i was like man this guy's been doing it for a while he reached out saying he liked it that that was cool same with guitar it's like if some if one person reaches out and says dude this was sick um or i think i i put up like a random 10 second thing about uh this glass animal song called heat waves and mm-hmm. somebody reached out to me dude like this song has literally been my my survival method and i talked to him for like five minutes and that's cool you know it was a fun thing um but when I picked it up, man, um, I started off by just learning a song that I was really into. And then I started really un- really getting into like a process in my head on how I'm going to proceed with this. And I, now I try and do a song a month. Um, so the past two, three months, I've been doing like easier songs. I didn't use to strum a lot. I always tried finger picking stuff. So that's, that's something that's I got that's into. That's a good thing to do, man. Because initially, like when I, I played guitar because I was playing piano. So I I, start, I was playing piano like I've never had any formal training I learned by ear and like YouTube. So then for me the piano yeah. was like easy to really? Yeah, everything is I've never had a single lesson in my life. Okay. So everything that I've picked up is by like listening to a song a thousand times and then picking it up in the wrong key and then figuring out the right key cuz I don't have per- perfect pitch obviously. And like I and maybe I can work on that. But like and then just figuring out on the on the keyboard. And then so what I would do with the keyboard with the guitar is like I would complement the keyboard by playing the chords. But when I play the chords, it would be just like strumming or whatever. And like if I like yeah. the song, I, I learned like Blackbird. That was like the first finger picking song that I learned. Um and that was 10, 11 years ago now, right? And then I think I like plateaued for a while because I was I was prioritizing piano over guitar. Mm-hmm. during the pandemic one thing that's that has flourished is my music like i've just been having so much fun learning songs and that was really cool how um like mo did the interlude cover yeah interlude two uh, by all yeah. j beautiful beautiful like one of my beautiful favorite songs cover. and uh mo killed it and then i saw rohit sent it to me like he sent me like a video of him playing it and then i played it and then you played it so it was like a yeah. chain of like covers that was really cool i don't know that was super cool because <laughs> it was a, like a quick like weekend worth of uh, effort to just like play it and record it because recording is man whoever's recorded like before knows dude, your fingers just start slipping like it's just weird yeah, yeah. and there's like a random camera so um yeah record it and then do it and it just gives that uh it's a sense of accomplishment too like when not a lot is going on in life it's like oh damn i learned a song you know i I can do this and oh it's such a good feeling right once you're it's done such a great you're like feeling. oh like the first time you play a song without any mistakes 
you're like, damn, like I did that. And that sounded good. And that <laughs> sounded good. <laughs> and so, that that's like a beautiful metaphor for like all of life as well. Anything that you do that you want to get good at, even podcasting. If you go back 30 episodes, um, like my first podcast that I did, dude, mm-hmm. there's a section in there that I didn't even know I didn't edit. And I just left it in there when like my, my guest internet cut out and I'm just talking shit. And like, it's all <laughs> in there, you know, the first six seconds, there's no sound because I forgot to edit that out. Yeah. You know, so and then I just left it like that because I was like, you know what, like this was where I came from. And this is a good reminder of like where, you know, where things started. Same thing I say with like chess. Like I, I've been playing chess for five years. I, I'm, I, I eat shit for like four and a half years straight. I was so yeah. bad for four and a half years straight yeah. that finally after like playing, I don't know how 4000 games, I finally got better at it. You know, I'm like, all right. Yeah. Like, OK, now I'm at a point where I can respect myself playing chess. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> That's sick. That's sick. So I think a lot of life ends up being just like learning how to play a difficult song. It's just the process of it is grueling and it sucks. But once you get through it, it, it the you can reap the benefits fully. That's a that's a great metaphor in terms of like people probably struggling with starting things during quarantine because it's like man, what's the point? Like, it's just quarantine. Like, let me just like, let me just write this through. Right. And, uh, and watch Netflix for 44 exactly, weeks. Exactly. 44 you know? <laughs> weeks. <laughs> and don't get me wrong, man. This month, especially I've had that month where it's like so many things are going wrong. My, uh, I'm Indian and my, the home country is not doing well. My parents are there, mm. you know, uh, my mom recovered from COVID. Like it was just this whole thing. And then like, okay people, she's, she's okay now. Well, I'm um, glad to hear that. Yeah. Uh, and it's just, like you know you have those moments but still you got to like keep going and the understanding that it's not it's not always perfect just like with i feel like with especially people say that with gym uh or working out goals it's like every day when you go to work out it's not going to be the best workout ever but you just got to go and do it you just got to go and do it and you got to go and do it and some days are going to be really good some days are going to suck some days are going to be average but it's about that journey of just like getting there you know 100% man like uh, understanding that it's not a zero or one concept right like life isn't zero or one you do things in between you some days are good some days are going to be bad but like even if you do what like one push up a day right at yeah. the end of the week you'll have seven push ups done right and if you have seven push-ups done that's still better than zero push-ups and you complaining about it from your couch right which is what yeah. a lot of people are doing i was doing that for for a while there too mm-hmm. i'm like oh i'll just start tomorrow and like next monday is gonna be the monday that like i started getting my life together right but it's like that's you're just lying to yourself at the end of the day like you know you have to be very truthful about like where you are like you were saying before like it's good to see where you are because if you don't know where you are you don't know how, where to go like on exactly. a map you have to know where you are and then you're like okay i'm right here so then i need to like maybe I need to spend the next two to three years on this thing and then get to this point. And after you get to that point, then you're going to have a new destination and you're like, okay, this was fun. And then let's, you know, but external problems are not going to end. This is one big crisis that we are all collectively facing the pandemic. And it's obviously harrowing and uh, very scary, right? It's, it's frightening to be in this, but at the same time, like this is one thing that happened to us every single day people are facing, you know, struggles. Multiple different yeah. struggles. And, um being strong-willed is i think comes a lot from like the roots that you're brought up with i think Mm -hmm. like you see your parents go through tough times and fights and happy days and you know tough days at work and you see them pull through and you're like okay if they can do it i mean there's a way right and and then you hear about people like who were born disabled or Mm -hmm. got disabled because of something bad that happened honestly that could happen to any of us just sitting here one day we might not know we might have a bad disease and if we're not strong 
like in the head we're not going to be able to fight it and 100% yeah i agree and even medically like people say the mind body connection like as sort of um like bullshit or uh voodoo magic as it sound it's true i mean uh there has been studies that show like you know like your your perception really impacts a lot of your health outcomes as well and so that this is a very very important point because then your perception if you if you know that how you perceive the world is your reality then what you can do is like you can tweak it a bit and this is this comes directly from like stoicism and like a lot of other people that have been uh you know spewing wisdom on the internet so the way it works is like say something bad happens to you right like okay mm-hmm. is there anything that i can do about that no okay it happened already and then the way you could look at it it's like oh i didn't get this job but that that's good because that means like my resume needs work like mm-hmm. i i need to do some work oh like i didn't you know Uh, my girlfriend broke up with me. Oh, that's good. That means she wasn't right for me. So like it's difficult to see these like little slivers of like positivity within like what's happening to you at the time because you're so like tunnel visioned into the actual event and the negative impact you feel and we linger on to negative feelings so much longer than we linger on to like positive Happy feelings. feelings. Yeah. yeah. So why is that? Do you know of any like um, scientific reason have you read into that? Yeah, because like your brain is like a problem-solving machine, right? so it's constantly seeking problems and whenever there's a problem unless the problem is alleviated it's going to keep thinking about it when you have positive things that happen to you right so this is called a negativity bias actually and that's why when someone says something mean to you you hold on to it like someone flipped you off in traffic and you're like oh my god this guy like he's he's living in my head like rent free <laughs> you know like <laughs> so, so cuz your brain doesn't like that feeling of unfamiliarity right it wants to be familiar it wants to predict things and when things don't go the way you want them to go it goes haywire and it's like oh my god like what do we do now panic mode right and then you could train that by perceiving things to be more positive and as soon as you do that you let it go easy easily so for example like the the two examples i just gave you about the job and the girlfriend that kind of perspective really changed my outlook into life because then once you get that then nothing can really almost yeah. yeah like almost everything can be seen as a positive you know like death of a family member like a friend is very difficult to see as like a positive i mean it's almost impossible i don't even know how you, how you would see that as a positive thing yeah um but i think other than that almost everything like rejection in life or like failures you know failures are meant to be part of that journey and if you don't enjoy that either you know you, like some people not some people me <laughs> you know <laughs> like I, i used to get like really high with the highs and then really low with the lows you know yeah. i didn't have this like stoicism surrounding like events that would happen to me and how i would react to these events so the key i think is to just to play the game and see what happens because you know your luck can change within like days weeks hours you know so it's best to just keep that distance and just to keep uh, be married to the journey and not the outcome you know keep pushing along just keep keep doing what makes you keep doing whatever it makes you take in life and hopefully it'll be something really good and even if it doesn't you still had a good experience out of it um i had a i i had a startup for about a year and a half in fourth year and it didn't it didn't go anywhere really we got some funding but it didn't end up working out because of our fight with the government it was cannabis related um and we had to do a lot of lobbying and stuff and that's where we lost all our money at close down doors mm-hmm. i'm sorry to hear that but no 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 worries. but when i look at it now um 
the experience was amazing man like just being in a room with investors uh talking to them about like stuff going and pitching it to random retail stores um sitting sitting in a room just thinking about like ideas of what we can do next like that's so adventurous right like yeah, that's yeah. such and an appeal to that at least a couple of things that i learned uh, from that was whenever you're starting a new venture make sure your team is nice mm-hmm. and is the team is what you want it to be because that's the most important thing according to me right It it's like a marriage you know like you're it's like a work marriage it's it's uh you could get team members that are really smart but unmotivated or really smart but barely motivated that's not going to go anywhere if you have a if you have a barely smart motive person who's really motivated that's what's going to take places so um yeah just like that one of the things i i can say is like when i look at look back at it i don't look at it as a failure even though it did fail for sure i still look at it as like I'm only 25. I mean, if I want to start a new company in 5 years when I've gained more experience knowing this, right, I'll right. be so much better at it just because I've done it before. You've done it before and the experience like like I don't believe in in lost time as long as like your existence is intentful and the outcomes are what the outcomes are supposed to be. And yeah. during that time and I, some people will obviously disagree with me and that's fine. It's just that in my head that's how I would justify like existence because for example if you're outcome dependent for how long are you going to be out, outcome dependent for the next 45 years like there's yeah. going to be times where things are not going to go your way and there's going to be times where you have zero control over that so then what do you do in those situations when you're completely lost because your whole perception has been like me 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 and I could do this by myself and like I can I have like you know high locus of control and I I do believe you should have that but you should also have like humility and you should also be just married to like your own your own work and your own efforts into it and then i always look at it like a like a game of chess right like so you have set pieces in a in a game of chess and you play the best possible move that you can mm-hmm. or you try to play the best possible move that you can get, like you know given your intelligence given like like the resources that you have at the time sometimes mm-hmm. you'll make the wrong move and that's fine like you know like you just have to move on from that point and then play the entire game so i think it's important for people to like not lose sight of like their existence in terms of like we you know in our 20s it's like a super important decade and you're exploring yourself you're exploring like what you like you're exploring what you don't like what kind of people do you like working with what kind of people do you hate working with you know these are important questions to ask what kind of partner do you want what kind of like partner don't you want so like these things are these are questions that you have to ask yourself and you have to be introspective and very vulnerable with yourself when you're asking these questions and that's the whole that's that's the whole point that's the whole part of it it's like to make mistakes and then when you make mistakes you realize like oh this is just another lesson like there's no mistakes in life it's just like lessons i think big chance of that yeah <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but it's true it's true like you know barring consequences and everything else i think it's important to actually learn from your mistakes and once you do that they're like okay like i i fucked up here that's okay you know like let me see what else i can do like how do i recalibrate here because there's going to be more times when this happens you know yeah recalibration is a very important point because uh i think that becomes really hard to do once you lose sight of the end goal i think the end goal really pushes like your day to day but 100%. there'll be there'll be times where you're just sitting there like is it worth it is this worth what i'm doing is do i have a- an end goal and if not that end goal do i have another end goal and i don't know like you we both podcasts and we know it would be i mean it'd be amazing if we had 10,000 active listeners mm-hmm. and we were sponsored and we had like a decent revenue stream off of this and we could do this for um for our life like as a life thing it'd be super fun to do right but we all know that's you know a hard possibility it's a really slim chance but could happen could not happen who knows um 
but do you have another thing that could happen off of this are you learning stuff when you're doing this are you enjoying it all important points like especially in the pandemic because if not this we'd be watching tv or scrolling on instagram right so that's sort of my motivation to doing like a podcast even is right. okay maybe in the sports world i'll be relevant one day maybe when i um like my ideal my ideal career path would be to do either like some sort of sports journalism or mm. uh sports analysis with like my math background or uh work for like the mlsc or something like that you know just something cool like that is this going to help that application if i say make it if i don't make it in the podcasting world for sure right and i know you uh for your med school applications you've you've got this uh thing going for you as well you talk about you know important aspects you bring on people that are relevant to your field so you have those multiple exit strategies but every day that you do this you still enjoy it and understand that there's multiple possibilities of how this could end but everything is positive when it doesn't 100% victor frankl in his book man search for meaning and highly recommended to anybody listening to read this book mm-hmm. it's a very short book and it's about and i probably talked about this on the podcast earlier but it's about this doctor that was like he was a jewish doctor that was taken to auschwitz like the concentration camp and he survived and he talks about having hope in the concentration camp and he talks about suffering like the entire book is about justif- justifying suffering like life is suffering so how do you justify what's it called uh, man search for meaning by victor frankl okay i might um, give that a read this weekend Yeah, I'll put the I'll have like a link on on the show, on the show for sure because I've talked about it and it has impacted it impacted me in a time where I was feeling lost too. So he talks about this thing called the provisional ex- existence where a lot of people attach their value to like their employment and their their economic growth or output, right? Okay. So then when you're unemployed, you feel like you're worth nothing because you're not Capitalism. Yeah, well, you're not producing anything, so you're like, okay, like my worth is gone. And he says while you're in this provisional existence of like uncertainty, what makes you take what makes you keep going right during this like difficult time and he says like suffering ceases to be suffering as soon as it's attached to meaning like suffering without meaning is just masochistic that just means you like pain for something yeah <laughs> <laughs> but but if you if you are suffering to get somewhere like you're saying like oh i don't see the end goal and like dude you'll have i've had this i've had like naysayers and i've had like negative people that maybe they're coming from a place of love but the way they're delivering it and i'm perceiving it's, it it doesn't like, feel yeah, that way yeah it doesn't I've, feel good <laughs> yeah 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 but i, I know i know this about you um uh, sorry i know this about uh, at least my show sorry i'm just going to just say one thing here every time you know like and and i guess people are coming from a place of love but they remind they remind you of um the the, the slimness of making it in this uh content creation crazy world mm-hmm. and although it's coming from a place of uh probably caring and make sure that my expectations aren't going crazy i know this it's not needed and this is for everyone who's listening i think if your buddy or your you know somebody you know is starting something that has a slim chance of success like a it could be a company it could be content creation it could be something as crazy as trying to get into politics because that is really hard if you don't have the money or connections or um working for like a remote organization that delivers food for um poverty impoverished countries that, that all that stuff is really hard and but there's no reason to remind them of that there's absolutely no reason i i know that yeah. Un- unless you notice somebody going like hey i'm going to be the greatest this of all time even then i say there's no reason to shut them down um don't remind them of the slim chance doesn't help with their confidence doesn't help with anything although i don't take it i take it on the chest and just uh, forget that but still 
I think being truthful is important with your friends. And like, I think stupidity is defined by doing the same thing that doesn't work over and over again. Mm -hmm. But so then you can, you can provide them with like, you know, uh, feedback. feedback. Yeah. And I think you can, like, there's a balance between that truth and like how you present that truth rather than being like harsh and like being in someone's face. For example, like, man, I have this, I have this dream of becoming a really, like, I, I want to impact the field of mental health as a physician, as a researcher, right? And it's a, it's out there. It's going to take me some time to get there, especially in Canada where the chances are so slim and it's, it's mm -hmm. difficult to sometimes have footing. And when that ground is shakes below you, you don't have, you might be second guessing yourself. You might think like, oh, I'm not good enough, whatever. Like, and then if that same voice is being reiterated from the outside, it hurts more because you're like, I'm trying to like defend my dreams. You know, my dreams are getting threatened, right? And then you have to be strong enough to say like, you know what? you know it's going to come in through one year and it's going to get out through another year and then like if they have some merit then i'll take that i'll take that into my i'll actually look at their look at their argument and i'll look at it i'm not going to be as much as it hurts my ego i'll have a look at it and then maybe it like maybe there is some value in that conversation but at the end of the day it's like i know what i want and i know that i'm going to do everything that i have in my power to to do that and if and at the end of it it doesn't work out then that's fine like i tried you know, like, and just like we talked about on the on the working out scale, even this journey is not one and zero. You'll have some bad days, weeks, month, even mm -hmm. months, even where you're putting the bare minimum on whatever you're doing, because that's your best at that time, because it's especially in this time, it's really hard. Right. Um, and, and I'm not saying that's a good thing. I'm not saying that you should continue doing that, but that is fine. That'll happen. It's just keep pushing and the next month will be better. You'll get back to releasing that content or working on that application or, you know, um, get trying to get that job, whatever that is. It doesn't have to be a one or zero. As long as you're working towards it, it's fine. Exactly. Like, and then kind of bringing that back to like the whole uh, man search for meaning. It, it's like yeah. whenever you're in that situation, if you give it some meaning and you know the process, then everything else becomes irrelevant. So the outcome becomes irrelevant because you know that you're like, if a man who's imprisoned in a, in a concentration camp, right. Is able to have that hope. You know, it's, it's like, that's, that's eternal hope for humanity itself, because then you're like, okay, let me have a look at my situation. Let, let me see what I can do with what I have, you know? And then like you surround yourself with like positive people, you surround yourself with like people that, love you and people that want you to succeed like those are good friends you know like people yeah. i've met people that for whatever reason they think in their head like if someone wins like i lose yeah i lose yeah. or like if they win i can't win like where where are you guys getting this idea from you know there's <laughs> like, a lot of space for everyone to win absolutely there's enough resources for everybody to eat and i think like if i'm succeeding then my friends should reap the benefits of that as well like i think mm -hmm. my friends should like if i know of an opportunity i should let my friends know about it as well because if they succeed then i feel good and then you know they'll help me out i'll help them out and it's it's non-transactional it's coming from a place of love you yeah. know but yeah uh, some relationships i find especially in like maybe the professional environment or maybe even in like you know school or whatever where people are like very transactional yeah, transaction, they're holding on to like their existence very tightly. Like, you know, I can't let someone else like peep, peek into my, my success or whatever. And that is fine. I mean, some people you come across in life that are very transactional and you should understand that. You see this person being transactional, treat them that way and uh, make sure you 
whatever they want from you or you want from them, that's your relationship. You know, you do one thing good for them. They do one thing good for you and nothing else. It's not from a place of love and that's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think Emmanuel Kant, I hope, I'm hope I said that right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I think he said that don't make people uh, means to an end, make the conversation the end, like make that interaction the end, because then you're not, going into it with the intention of gaining something out of it you're just going into it with awe and like curiosity and just love for other people because every single person that you talk to is probably probably know something that you don't know you know and then you learn a little bit from them and you're like holy shit like thanks man like that's really cool that, that i got to like learn this from yeah. you yeah during the pandemic though uh, there's definitely few people in, in my friend circle that have become um that i've learned stuff about right i had a uh, i've had rocky relationships with people because of this i've had strengthening relations with people because of this mm. and that really shows who's coming from a place of caring and who's not right my my roommate and the, his parents took me in for christmas and that was really awesome to see that they cared enough that i didn't let me spend holiday season alone which is really hard i mean 100 yeah i don't have family here so that was really nice of them to do right there's some people that i've seen haven't checked up on me in time and i'm just like okay like this is our relationship that's what it's going to be like and that that stings so much to like like have you had situations where you're like you thought you were very close with someone or you exactly period of time and then afterwards you're like oh shit like why am i the person that's always like like propagating the conversation you know i've had that with a sadly i've had that with a family member uh as well where um maybe you know i expected a little too much or maybe i expect them expected them to come through for something like that and it didn't happen and that really rocked my foundational sort of boat even where it was like oh damn like this i did not expect this and uh yeah that that really showed me okay this is where we stand all right no worries um and you know we like we're still like i'm still close with that person and you know we we're good but I and I believe in like sort of second chances and forgiving and going forward that but in the back of my head that's still something that just stings and it's just there you know it's like okay this happened it's not going away this just happened yeah dude the family member thing is like it's very difficult it's like uh if you read the Bhagavad Gita that's the whole book is about about that right like having you have this internal dilemma because in on one hand you're like family like you're supposed to be blood related like you're supposed yeah. to by like this is the family you're born into you're supposed to like love each other but then whenever conflicts come up and you see shady behavior from these members that you expect love from then you're like it, it definitely questions your beliefs you're like oh i thought this person was like i thought this was it yeah, yeah. i've had situations in the past during the pandemic where these uh, relationships got exposed and because of that i'm not in like i'm not gonna get too into it but like i'm not into contact with these people anymore you know like so okay yeah it's just uh it's just very difficult that it happened but it kind of like it kind of cleared the fog like now i know the truth and mm-hmm. i understand like you know what like just because we're blood related doesn't mean you have the best intentions in heart for me yeah you know <laughs> and family is such a weird thing because you're born into it right and um some family members you vibe with some family members you don't and that's just the truth of it and you are like just understand that and move forward because you create family during life you create like amazing friendships that become family and stuff like that and that is it's actually really interesting to see how that works the way you can test it is like you can be extremely vulnerable just as a person in general and see which type of people 
are non-judgmental on which type of people want the best for you. Like your friends should be people that you can say anything to and they will be like, oh, they'll try to understand your your side of the story, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not saying they should they should side with you, but it's just at least giving you that space to like explore, explore your ideas or giving you that space to like express yourself uh, should be provided by good friends, at least in my, in my opinion. So, and I, I've been, I've been honestly so blessed. I journaled about this last night. I'm like uh, yesterday after like a year of uncertainty, I finally got into like a program that I wanted to. And I was like really excited about that. Congrats, and dude. Thank you, man. I, I really appreciate that. And it's just, I, the entire day I, I was like talking on the phone with people or on zoom calls and I just felt so loved. Um, and it, it kind of brings you back and humbles you down, like to the point of like that exists. People it, are out it still there. Exists. Yeah, yeah. They want good for you. They love you, you know, and that all, all these people from like my elementary school, from a middle school, from like high school, from university, all these different people just reached out to me. And I'm like, these are connections and pathways and that I've made throughout my life. That kind of a gesture is is not something that I will forget. And you know, I'll always pay it forward, you know? Exactly. And a gesture goes a long way. I mean, I was thinking about this because so many people are going through so many rough times and you can't really do much when you're sitting far apart from each other. But even just a gesture of, hey man, hope you're doing okay. Or, hey, I heard this happen in your family. Is everyone okay? I think goes a long way because, um, it shows that you care enough to pick up the phone and do that because I wouldn't do that for anyone, right? Like not mm. everyone I do that for. And I think that was um, something that I learned during this as well. Like uh, whenever somebody was going through a rough time, just checking up on them, good enough. I mean, if that's your extent of your relationship, some people obviously you'd go like um, haywire for and just do whatever is possible. But some people, that's the most you do, you know? Just once in a while, hitting up, hitting people up is just, I think, uh, in my opinion, intentful, and that that can clearly show that show another person that you care about them. And some people have, and I mean, like you know, we as like South Asian men, there there's always like cultural stigma around men and vulnerability and being able to express yeah. <laughs> themselves. You know, you're supposed to be like this macho, macho. individual. Yeah. <laughs> like, Jinx, <dude. laughs> you're supposed to be like this, 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 you know, manly man that doesn't show his feelings. And like, you know, is very, is strong, right. This, this power, this power of like, of like masculinity that is exuding from, from that like image. But at the end of the day, what ends up happening is like all these people are like scarred. They have scar tissue from like their parents and their parents and all this generational trauma is just going down this like going down this bottleneck. And then then they are not able to regulate their feelings and then they explode or they have like these, um, you know, power differences that they want to exploit because they feel like they cannot express how they're feeling, you know. So I think. I am trying to do something, at least in my family, with my with my siblings. I'm just like, you know, if you don't express how you feel, then no one will know. No one's in your head, you know. So you yeah. have to be. You have to practice that and get into the habit of doing that. Yeah. And I've seen that uh, with my parents. Like at least we both, my sister and I, grew up um, being able to regulate our emotions. But my my dad wasn't the best at it in the beginning. Like when I like in my childhood in the sense that uh he was uh he was a very powerful person um so most of his relationships after he became powerful was like yeah was always about his power so he could never 
once he became once he was in that position he could never build a lasting relationship because he couldn't tell the difference between what is for real and what is just because of his position and slowly he's built some good relationship and before that he's built some good relationships that he still uh, clings on to and that i feel like that for him has been really hard and we've never really talked about it too much but i think that's one thing i definitely want to bring up to him is uh, man that must have sucked because although obviously he had everything going for him in the sense that you know like um he was lucky enough to be able to help us even here it's just been hard for him to develop those long lasting relationships to his like adult life more of his adult life because he was in that position of not knowing it's very difficult i think for like the generational gap that exists to like bring up these issues because one thing i'll say is like throughout this pandemic since my my dad is working from home and i'm like i'm at home it is the first time that i got to spend this much time with my dad like ever since i was a kid cuz he was always at work you know and he was like you know providing for the family and, and i i understood all those concepts Absolutely but like that. Yeah. you know but like the emotional connection or like that vulnerability didn't exist earlier one thing that i do love about my dad is like and i love a lot of things about him but one thing that i do love is like we'll read the same books and then we'll have a conversation about the book and that's something like i really appreciate cuz like he recently just finished uh, sapiens and i finished sapiens and then he's reading home like the second book now that i recommended got into audiobooks which is pretty cool but <laughs> um like i enjoyed that intellectual and maybe that's the way we show love is like through having these political religious whatever conversations mm-hmm. but when it comes to like the vulnerable stuff i i know that for a fact that that not just him but that intergeneration of men were told not to express how they feel so then now whenever there's conflict it's i i still see it like it's difficult to like untangle it's difficult to open up yeah yeah of all that all those years of like being told not to be you can't say this or you can't do that or you shouldn't say these like a uh, man doesn't do that and i really want to recognize that and i want to when i have my own children hopefully someday i want to like change that pathway because it that has been occurring in the south asian communities for such a, a long, long period time. of time yeah, yeah. not for especially for men's mental health like it's really bad yeah like we south asian people don't talk about relationships and i think that's super weird Yeah. Um, everything's like you have to like there's subtleties in terms of like covertly everyone knows some something's going on or whatever yeah. but no one's going to bring it out you know yeah, like... which is the weirdest thing it's the most strange conversation to have and my mom's been really good with that and i respect her for that because even when i was dating people you know she would always ask me how is it going and you know um send my significant other whatever at the time like gifts and stuff and That's even true. that i was like damn you understand that uh even though obviously it's younger sort of young love or whatever that is and it didn't last forever but you understood that at that point in time this was super important to me and you made that as well and that's what i try and do like even like if if my roommate is dating somebody or something like that i always make sure that i'm involved in that side of his life because you never know when he needs somebody or when they need somebody right so if you're not involved since the beginning it's not going to happen randomly it's not going to happen like if they need somebody at that moment they're going to be there and be comfortable enough to explain that to you if you're not actively involved in your friend's life which is hard to do but i think at least for like very close people or, or even proximity close or real life close um you need to be involved in their life so that they feel comfortable enough to tell you stuff dude people me like uh, recently at least like i've been feeling this bout of loneliness and that's not because mm-hmm. i'm not around people i like i have my family and everyone i'm not alone 
but I feel some of these bouts of like lethargy and loneliness and like this kind of like a cloud of like depression like man like something missing there's like a void here right and in those situations I know how difficult it is for me to personally like and I, I've been getting better at it but to actively reach out to not just like my friends but like if I if I need professional help like to just like destigmatizing all these different avenues because I find in my own personal experiences, like you would get sympathy for getting cancer, but you won't get, and I'm not equating the two, but like, I'm just saying yeah. like, you would get, get more sympathy for getting cancer than like, let's say depression, because since it's not a, like an, it's an abstract idea. Like it's not mm -hmm. a physical thing that you can see. Yeah. People don't equate too much sympathy towards that. They don't look at it sympathy, as like yeah. a serious illness. It's, it's just seen like, and you know, in the Brown community, like they call you like Pagal or whatever, you know, like you're crazy, right? Yeah. That's, that's a yeah. word. Like you might be schizophrenic. You might have all these different, but you're crazy. Everything you're is crazy. crazy guy. Yeah. And one of my goals in life is to make the tools that we use to diagnose people more culturally sensitive. Yeah. And this, I learned this from my research actually, when I did research with refugees in uh, Saskatoon and in Edmonton and the Prairies, and uh, I was working with the University of Calgary at the time yeah. or co-op. And one thing I learned is like when I went there and we were doing like people's perceptions of, of like mental health, like, so by people, I mean like the refugees perceptions mm -hmm. of mental health. And these are all like new refugees that came from like places like Syria, Iraq, Sudan, like all these other uh, parts of the world. Right. And this is like a new, new environment that they're in. Right. And one thing we learned is that a lot of these cultures and, and languages don't even have the words to express themselves right and it's orwellian in the sense that if you don't have the word to express how you feel then how are you going to get diagnosed how is that even so there's like the cultural like barrier stigma, stigma around yeah. it then there's also the language barrier where like you're not able to express how you feel because you don't even have the words so then like for example what's the word for like you know these people didn't have the word for ptsd they didn't have the word for like anxiety you know general anxiety disorder like how do you how do you express that in a language where you like it's like one word for like four or five different diagnoses you know like so it, it that's one area of medicine that i want to hopefully in the future make an impact, impact. Yeah. You know, I, that's yeah. really cool i mean for people so for people listening i think one of the things that i found really helpful was clubhouse it's oh, yeah. sort of like a cell self therapeutic session that you can you have need an iphone though so oh. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't got an iphone you know i and, guess <laughs> and it's super small community right now right it has been opened up so yeah if you guys want invites i got like seven waiting yeah i got i got i got a bunch waiting too <laughs> yeah so. um I found that was super interesting because, you know, randomly I'd get notifications about decompressing and, you know, I don't, I don't use it that often, but if there's some shitty day that I'm having and I just listen to other people having shitty days, as sound as bad as it sounds, it, it kind normalizes of like, like your situation. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. You know, I'm having a bad day and like we in this talk, together. <laughs> yeah. I was talking yeah. to a friend and they're like, yeah, dude, I'm having uh, like, don't worry, you're going through the exact same thing that I'm going through. And I'm like, damn okay it, it it do be okay to go through this right now okay that's yeah. fine yeah and that makes it really really sort of helpful i feel like so if you if you have access to clubhouse or even need access to clubhouse let me know and i'll add you to a couple of rooms and clubs that i found super helpful in this yeah for sure man i, I mean i've been i was on it for a bit and i was using it for like a lot of the mental health stuff but and then also it's kind of cool to like talk with your friends and stuff like that in, in a group setting and then it's really cool how you can jump in a call with like all these celebrities and like you know i i was in like one a room with like justin bieber one time and then oh, no. uh, yeah i went into a room with like 
Um, and then with podcasting, it's actually a really great tool because there are other podcasters that are on that platform. And then if you follow it, you could get them to follow your show. You could follow their show. You can get them as guests. So you can expand like your market a little bit more with your podcast if, if you want to use it. So it's, it's like, I think it's a valuable tool. The only barrier to entry, I guess, is like an iPhone. Uh, if you don't mm-hmm. have it, then they're going to release it soon. I've heard on almost. Android. Yeah, yeah. That's what I heard too. I mean, it, it grew, it got evaluated for like a billion dollars or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's pretty cool. <laughs> I think the reason why it's so much more accessible is that um, it's at the, f- you could join a billion rooms and something will be going on at some time. If you need to talk about or listen to something, and I think that's what makes it so unique. It's that you join 50 rooms at any moment in the day, there'll be something going on about something that you want to talk about or listen into, and you have that access. And I think that's very important for people, especially for people going through a hard time, just listening to people talk about it or going through the same thing. I think that really helps. Yeah. There's this guy called Naval. Naval, mm-hmm. uh, I think his name, he was on the Joe Rogan podcast too. And he's like, a, I think he's like an investor and he's super like, he's wealthy, but he's also very knowledgeable and spiritual with like how he explains things. And like, he talks about the perception and stuff like that. And like the negativity bias, but he does all these like, ni- like he does almost like daily sessions or nightly sessions. And like it, he, like talking about these ideas and it's a good place. If anything, it models like that, that. I, I find at least people are pretty like respectful and like there's there's space for discourse so they're like actually you know there's competing ideas there's like it's, new ideas that are being like you know influenced by other ideas so it's just it's really like cool the ben shapiro that. show or like the yeah. show where <laughs> they bring you on to like to just roast you just basically it's like yeah, yeah for yeah. Like having differing opinions and they have no idea of they bring up all these like statistics that are based in uh, pure numbers when they're talking about a concept that is not just numbers right man listen it's all all facts no feelings you know yeah, what I mean? yeah. like, <laughs> man you're, you're you're talking about like refugees there's definitely feelings there's for sure feelings involved they're humans right and i feel like yeah it's just um, i think when you reduce people to numbers there's and facts there then you get like you you distance yourself from like the humanity of it and mm-hmm. once you do that then like you don't have empath- em- empathetic concern about these people and mm-hmm. you remove that part of it and then you're like okay whatever Robots. yeah like you don't feel bad about whatever is going on and you're like i'm not responsible for for this thing you know and you know you can make arguments against that for that but at the end of the day i think it's important to to be empathetic and like to view other people's points of views and you shouldn't be married to your ideas either like your ideas should should evolve should change like i always if they don't assume, change then what's the point yeah like i always assume there's more to know than what i already know so i whenever i feel like my ego getting enlarged like i know so much about this like i just i'm like sit down like listen there's probably things that you don't know <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah active listening is lost sometimes too mm-hmm and have you learned that? I learned that through podcasting with people. It's like some people that come on the show or a part of the show don't listen to what you're saying and just want to portray their ideas and fair play to them. It's hard to do. But if you actively listen, those are the best people to bring on a show or talk about or talk to just because you know that you're having like a two-way conversation and it's not just an interview, which kind of sucks sometimes. Listening, I 100% agree with you. Listening is like a skill to be to be learned, you know? And like you were saying that uh, when people sometimes they just project their ideas and they're waiting, it's like commas between projecting their ideas, basically, that's basically it, you know, instead of actually listening, sitting down and listening and understanding like, oh, 
this person that I'm talking to has something of value to like offer me. And I, I learned this like when I was in second year, I was walking around the SLC a lot. And I was like, I didn't have any direction. I was just, I just wanted to be around people, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people did that. Like you weren't studying, you weren't doing shit. You were just like, around you're just chilling. Around. <laughs> yeah, you're just loafing around. Yeah. Um, but I remember just like listening to stories and then being very like fascinated by stories. And I, I bring that curiosity to almost every conversation because every single person that you come across has something interesting to say, man, if you listen to them. The one thing I've learned through this university thing that you're talking about, online school is not it. Yeah. It's it's not the same thing. Online workplace, it's not the same thing. But and I don't think that it could it could thrive for a startup. I don't believe that it's thrives for a startup. I believe that well set up organizations can do online work and be okay. They'll I feel I still think they'll be really stagnant, mm-hmm. but I think they can survive. But schooling, man, online, like it's just. I feel like it's not it because you see everyone talking about breakout rooms that where people don't share ideas. If we were in a breakout room in school, in university, at the end of the day, like even if it was full of like loafers, we'd still talk about some ideas around the concept of what we were meant to do. And then the other thing I find is like the university, especially for me after going through this is not just about learning. It's about so much more than learning that it's, well, it's learning crazy. is like the, the manifest function. I always say like, whenever people tell me like, what'd you learn in university? I always say like, okay, I learned how to read. I learned how to write and I learned how to listen. Like I yeah. literally learned nothing like that. Those are the main skills that I learned, that I learned that I can apply to my life. All the technical stuff that I learned, I forget. Like if I don't keep up with it, I'll forget it. And so it's important to like, you know, like you were saying, these breakout rooms, just even being in that same energy or atmosphere as another person like yeah it just creates you know more ideas and it allows ideas to flourish more but with with online and then also like the whole thing about like i think online schools and obviously i might be misspeaking because i only did one semester of it so i'm not too too well versed in it but i know like a lot of people have access to like cheating so it's more goal oriented like you just want to get the get the job done get these deliverables in and then that's it you shut your laptop down and then you're like good to go right it takes away from like actually being in an environment where you want to learn and i, I yeah i i was i was more talking around uh i totally feel everything you're saying and that's to- that's absolutely fair i was more talking around the experiences we had in university man like mm. the the learning aspect of it where everybody it's 4am and you walk out and you're like, damn, there's people still trying to get coffee at this SLC because yeah. they're trying to grind. Like that was an experience in itself. Yeah. Um, the random nights where we were up till 4am, absolutely plastered out of my, our minds talking about random things that we barely knew about experience in, in of itself. Right. right. Like, and um, like, I just think those aspects of it, like the first, I think I've been a Don, so I understand Um maybe and i've been in first year so i understand both aspects of doing that and i think that like people that don't get first year man that that sucks that is probably the most awful situation to be in you make no connections for life like i still am close with everybody that i was close with in first year mm-hmm. um you don't get that dorm room craziness that i feel like is so important to your character to grow like that social Um, aspect of it is so important because it's like the first year you're kind of diverging away from your parents lifestyle or your home or whatever and then now you have responsibilities for yourself and you have the opportunity to like potentially meet really cool people 
right? And make friends for life. Like that is something that, and I used to find it so cliche, like, oh, hey, man, university is going to be the best time of your life. And it doesn't come around twice. And I used to think, man, how how are you going to tell me that it's going to be the best time or, you know, this kind of stuff is not going to happen. And truthfully, I don't think that the things that we did in university are going to happen again. Like that is, it's a, it's a time that I cherish and it's a beautiful time that I always like, we can reminisce about for like, honestly, days without batting an eye and i do feel for people that i are miss not... it dude i miss it a lot exactly <laughs> and i'm 25 i'm sitting here like i would yeah. i would go through it all over again like yeah. it was beautiful i think but that I... part of it like we really didn't i don't know i i think i i took in a lot of it but now looking back the craziness and like the the amount of risk i dude i can't even do all-nighters anymore my back yeah. hurts i'm like yo i need to sleep <laughs> 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 i'm sitting on the office chair i'm like dude my back hurts and university i wouldn't have bad an eye like i was just gone through the experience because I, it was I, like... I, I like make noises now when i sit down like my dad like i go ah. <laughs> <laughs> and i just feel for like people going through university online it's like i hope it gets better in the fall and you can go through like at least a year or two of like unhinged unmasked craziness of university where you're just there and you don't you don't know what the next day is going to be like because never two days were never the same and that was beautiful what are your predictions with like once this great hopefully fingers crossed knock on wood once this like pandemic dies down what are people going to go crazy are people going to like actually yeah like are are people going to understand the value of like their time and their friendships and like their freedom i think for a bit and then it's going to go right back into their old habits and what it was except for some people that might hold on to the understanding and i think those people will be pretty well off as well and Mm -hmm. man my prediction for whenever this ends is at least that people will take relationships stock more stock give it more stock and more understanding of what makes things great and possibly try and cherish more moments. And I think that would be cool because the one thing that came out of this pandemic is everybody knows that it's a very fleeting thing and experiences are probably more important than just chasing after a random outcome that Mm -hmm. in 20 years might be meaningless because we might go through another pandemic and lose loved ones or go through it ourselves and lose our life. And people, I feel like that's something that people should understand more. No, man, I 100% agree. And like, I think that's a a good note to end the show. I think we've been been talking for a while. I've had a wonderful time talking to you, man. You're a really smart guy. And I'm really excited to see how, like, you know, where you'll go next. You're doing all these different projects. You're very open like I am. And just to see your friends thrive and like be happy and, and be engaged in what they do. That's like a blessing in itself. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on the show too. It's you are definitely one of those people that just reads a lot and knows a lot about a lot of things. So it's super interesting to talk to you about things that I don't know. And I've learned that through the pandemic too, that um, reading about things and just, or not even just reading, gaining knowledge about things is so important. It's like crazy important. Knowledge is power, man. That's something I've, when I was a kid, my, my dad bought me books instead of, and I was salty then he bought me books instead of like video games. Yeah. And I was so angry. I was like, man, what's wrong with this guy? Like, why is he buying me books? <laughs> like, <laughs> like well, where's my new Nintendo fan? Like what's up? Yeah. Instead of like the Playstations, I got like encyclopedias, you know, but it instilled this, this curiosity that I knew that if I wanted to learn something, there is someone out there who's, who knows about it and they've written a book and each book is like a person's life. 
and you can experience that in 300 200 pages you know so why wouldn't you if given the chance to do it you know mm-hmm. Yeah, but thank you, man. Like this has been like a great conversation. I'll definitely go back and listen to it. And one last time, where can people find your stuff? Uh, so my personal account is at I hate windchill on Instagram, but my podcast is at football mastermind. So F U T B O L underscore masterminds. Uh, and I hope uh, if you guys listen to that show, you like it. If you have any suggestions, just reach out to us. You want to be on the show, reach out to us. We'll be happy to have you on. Perfect, man. Thank you, Kosti. 